When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Live from the Toolkit Depot studio, Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. For Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Gee, hasn't the weather changed here in Perth? Uh, very good afternoon. Uh, officially, Sports Day WO with Peter Vlahos. Great working with Damien Martin uh, on the run home between three and five. Paul Hazelby, get well soon, mate, and hopefully he'll be back in the chair with uh, Damo tomorrow uh, for the Friday edition of the run home. But we've got Sports Day. Great to be here. Of course, you can join us anytime on the Temperate Bedshed uh, text machine 0487. 736736. Bedshed experts in temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases. You can check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Wherever you may be listening on SEN 657 here in Perth, SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury in the southwest, and the goldfields on uh, SEN 1611, SEN Peel on DAB uh, Plus Radio, and of course SEN WA on the SEN uh, app. Guess who's making a comeback? This guy is making a comeback, playing Australian rules footy again. Rook will take the free kick and pump Geelong back into attack again. Kilpatrick seizes the opportunity. Handball over the top. Applet from the forward pocket area. Applet goes for goal. And Gary Applet has kicked it. Tess Selwood turned the right way. Kick kick over the shoulder was impressive as well. Here goes Gaz. Shapes up. 45 and closing the little mark. for the Cats, and look at the congratulations. The mark's taken by Enright, who goes into the corridor. Oh, almost in the Ablett's corridor. Out. Oh, yeah. he is. Johnson, can he pop it over the top? Ablett somehow has found some space. Oh. At the last minute, Zach Dawson spills it. But a clever soccer by Scarlett to Ablett from 18 metres. He drills it long to the tip of the goal square. Big flyers wanted. Varco, handball's over. It's a shot by Chapman. side completely open. You would imagine Ottenswell trying to hit it that way. Somebody did over the top. It was Enright. Goes after the football. Gives it to Ottens. Ottens goes to one knee. Ablett's got it. Finds a way through. Kicks a goal. Geelong in front. And the cream just rises to the top. Yeah, don't we miss the dulcet tones of Dennis Cometti in AFL commentary? You just heard him there. It's just not the same. It's not the same, but he called many a great game of Gary Ablett Jr. In fact, called Gary Ablett Sr. as well. But anyway, he's making a return. His first competitive game since playing in Geelong's losing grand final against Richmond in 2020. He's playing at the top end. He's playing in Darwin tonight. In fact, tomorrow night, I should say. And...
and it is Ablett's, as we know, the 2007 Cats Premiership uh, teammate Matthew Stokes will also line up with the same team, Palmerston. Uh, the Magpies, they're known up there. So we're going to cross there uh, very shortly and speak to the man who on SEN Top End Footy will be calling the game tomorrow night, Dominic McCormack, about Gary Ablett Jr.'s uh, Top End debut and his return to Australian Rules Footy. So we'll go up there in just a little while because there's been some decent players, actually, that have been playing up there this season. Eddie Betts, Travis Varco, Neville Jetta, they've all been playing uh, just updating the cricket, Australia are flying, let me tell you. The victory target in the first of the one-day internationals is 288 for victory. And at the moment, there's no wicket for 131 in the 18th over. Dave Warner, 68 not out of 58 uh, balls. And Travis Head, the South Australian, back there at the top of the order, He's made 56 off 48 balls. So a good start by Australia. No wicket for 132. Uh, David uh, or David Milan scored 134 for 128 balls to lead an England resurgence a bit earlier. And Jimmy Williams will be coming in a bit later on to bring us a full uh, sports update. And he's got his eye on that match at the Adelaide Oval. Just looking at the panoramic view of the Adelaide Oval. Just a sparse crowd. Not a big crowd by any stretch of the imagination. And as many people have said, uh, it's interesting they're playing these three ODIs uh, only days after the conclusion of the ICC T20 World Cup. Speaking of World Cup, it gets underway this Sunday, uh, midnight our time. Uh, Qatar take on Ecuador in the FIFA World Cup and the Socceroos are in action later in the week. Uh, Three games in their group. They take on France, one of the fancies, and then Tunisia, and then Denmark. So we'll focus on that a bit later on as well. It's interesting that Tim Cale is over there, Australia's probably greatest ever World Cup player, and he's given his predictions for the FIFA World Cup. He's given his prediction on how Australia will go, and he's also given us his thoughts on which nations could make the semi-final and the final, and I'll share that with you a bit later on. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll go to Darwin, the top end. It is the rainy season up there, and that's when they play uh, their AFL competition. But tomorrow night, it's going to be a big night for the Northern Territory Football League. Gary Ablett Jr. will be donning on the Palmerston Football Club colours. I think they're black and white, and uh, we'll have a chat to the man that's going to be calling the action for the SEN Top End footy coverage. Dominic McCormack, he's up next here on Sports Day. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. For Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Yes, uh, it is Sports Day on this uh, certainly now a bit of a wet Thursday in Perth and probably down in the southwest. Tomorrow they're expecting 10 to 15 mils, and at this stage the maximum temperature is going to hover around about the 17, 18 degree mark. And summer, well, tomorrow's the 18th, so summer is literally 12 days, 13 days away, under two weeks we've got this weather. But I believe looking at the forecast from the Bureau, it will get up to about 34 degrees by next Tuesday. Australia just doing it beautifully at the Adelaide Oval on a batting paradise, the 288 for victory. And Head and partner Warner have done beautifully. Zero or no wicket for 144. 
at the start of the 20th over. Warner is 69 and Head 68. There's a big event actually happening in Sydney tonight. Uh, Ange Postacoglu uh, has brought Celtic down under for the Sydney Super Cup. Everton have also come down under as well to take part. So it's Celtic, Sydney FC and Everton. And tonight at Allianz Arena, which is the big uh, stadium there in Sydney, Celtic are taking on Sydney FC. The match is into the uh, second, uh, first half. And would you believe Sydney FC hit the post twice? So they could have easily been in front. So we'll keep uh, abreast of that as well. Okay, here's Ange Postacoglu, the coach of the Celtic Football Club, talking about his return to the land down under. What have you realised about this club and how big it is since you've been there? Good fans over there and you know, Yeah, no, not surprised at all, mate, because um, even growing up on this side of the world, uh, I was well aware of the, um, the size of the football club and the support it had, not just here but around the world. Um, but certainly um, you know, over the last sort of year or so that I've been in... Uh, in Scotland, um, yeah, the amount of people who've reached out for me from Oz has been uh, brilliant, and uh, yeah, really proud to bring the club home and like I said, put on a couple of good performances. So there you go, Ange Postacoglu about bringing uh, Celtic down under. As I mentioned, uh, currently still nil-nil in that match at uh, Allianz Arena between Celtic and Sydney FC. We're just trying to track down uh, Dom McCormack who will be calling the action tomorrow night when Gary Ablett makes his return to Australian rules football, undoubtedly one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And he will lace up the boots one more time for the Palmerston Magpies tomorrow night against St Mary's. Of course, St Mary's have produced some outstanding footballers as well. Later on, we'll speak to David Short from Tab Touch. We'll update the latest market for the Wildcats tonight, of course, coverage here on the SEN Network after Sports Day uh, from 6 o'clock. Tim Gossage and also Andrew Varhov will call the action for the SEN Network. Uh, the Wildcats against the Southeast uh, Melbourne Phoenix. And as well as that, we'll look at the World Cup of soccer. The FIFA World Cup gets underway at the weekend. He's got the latest market on that, David Short. And later in the program, I'll speak to Giulio Santarelli, who... Uh, is a man that has followed the racing industry very closely indeed, works for the TAB and also TAB Radio, and we're going to talk and give you a preview to the Railway Stakes. Uh, the Group 1 race as part of the Pinnacles. Day 2 of the Pinnacle Series happens on Saturday at Ascot with the Railway Stakes, a time on a tradition when it comes to uh, races uh, in the thoroughbred industry is the Railway Stakes. Dates back to 1887. And some of the greats of all time have won uh, that race. So Giulio Santarelli will bring us up to date uh, with the latest news coming out of Ascot and maybe hopefully can find you a winner when it comes to the railway stakes. Uh, not forgetting, uh, McHappy Day is coming up uh, this weekend. So you need to show your support for McHappy Day by purchasing a pair of silly socks from Maccas for only $5. Money raised will go towards Ronald McDonald House Charities as they continue to help seriously ill or injured children and their families. Okay, let's update some sport while waiting for Dom to join us on the line for tyre power. Buy three and get one free on selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local tyre power score. Australia have just lost their first wicket, one for 147. 
head out for 69 of 57 deliveries. But uh, Australia certainly well on their way to that victory target of 288 in the first ODI. We're into the uh, 20th over uh, of this 50-over side. Matt Jordan, the wicket-taker, taking one for 37 in his uh, fifth over. As well as that, after missing out on a place in Gareth Southgate's England squad for the World Cup in Qatar, the bad news has continued for Brentford striker Ivan Tony. Now, the 26-year-old, it was interesting after what's happened in the AFL in recent times, the 26-year-old was charged by the Football Association with breaching betting rules more than 200 times. Uh, the FA said in a statement that it was alleged Tony, who was charged with misconduct, breached the rules 232 times between 2017 and 2021, and the alleged breaches start from 2017, when Tony was a Newcastle player, to 2021, after he had joined Brentford from uh, Peterborough. And this weekend's Rugby League World Cup final, which will be certainly interesting, uh, with Samoa, of course, in the Rugby League World Cup final, taking on Australia. And uh, he's comparing his side's all-conquering campaign to the All Blacks, that is Australian winger Valentine Holmes. He says the Kangaroos can expect to be the pantomime villains in the final with Samoa. England's 27-26 defeat at the hands of the Samoans gives the Pacific nation the chance to do what many had thought unthinkable and knock off the Kangaroos on the biggest stage of all. And many England fans have bought tickets well in advance, expecting maybe their commentary or their team to be in the final. Uh, now we'll be at Old Trafford on Saturday and no doubt we'll be uh, invested in the Samoans who knocked them out. Let's go to the temperate bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Uh, good on you, Lise. Uh, hi, Peter. Great to hear that audio of Dennis Cometti calling the game. He had a great voice for radio, dry sense of humour and very witty. And it's a shame he's retired from commentating sport. Yeah, good old Big Den. I reckon he's left a bit of a void in broadcasting. I'd like to find out from you, our Sports Day listener, is there anyone likely to replace Dennis Cometti from what you're hearing at the moment when it comes to commentary in the AFL? I don't think so. I reckon uh, the commentators are a, a mile apart from Dennis Cometti and what we've got with the current breed of commentators. But anyway, give us your thoughts, 0487 736 736. As we know, Matthew Hayden has spoken a lot about Pakistan's performance in the T20 World Cup. He's had a chance to basically gather his thoughts on their performance going down to England in the final last Sunday. And this is what he had to say when he was interviewed again just today. Next year, even before you get to this year, you've got this Australian mob now that are going into three games against England, which makes no difference to the competition whatsoever. Then they go into the West Indies series, test matches, only two test matches against the West Indies. Then they go into three test matches against South Africa and then a triangular series against in one day, then T20s on the back of that. Then they go straight to India in February and play four <laughs> test matches and three ODIs. And then there's the IPL for two and a half months. And then there's then, and then, and then, and then. And then the Ashes. It's never ending, you know. So, exactly. And then the T20 World Cup, actually. Sorry, the ODI World Cup uh, is next year as well um, through the back end of the year. So, one of my key assets, I, I think, is just having a fresh view of cricket and being able to go, guys, this is really what I want to commit to. Commit 100% to it for a shorter window and I, I think that is the insight 
that a lot of these professional nations now are seeing. They have specialist coaches. And Matthew Adam did an outstanding job. There's no question about that with the uh, Pakistani team. He really did uh, for them to get through to the final. And no doubt he enjoyed the experience very much indeed. Uh, As I said, no luck at this stage in getting to our special guest. Uh, Very shortly, we'll speak to David Short from Tab Touch regarding the markets coming up. And uh, we'll keep you up to date with what's happening with the cricket. Australia, by the way, at the moment, one for 148. There has been a goal. And Sydney FC, uh, through Robert Mack, showed a great pace to beat his defender before slotting uh, the goal past the Celtic goalkeeper. So, in fact, it's one all. Uh, Celtic actually opened the scoring through Kyogo after 23 minutes. A shot from distance, it deflected off the Japanese forward into the back of the net. So Celtic opened the scoring and Sydney FC have responded. So an exciting game. 31 minutes gone. And it is Celtic 1, Sydney FC 1. Australia, by the way, 1 for 148 in the 21st over. Uh, Steve Smith has come to the crease. He's yet to get off the mark. David Warner is looking very, very uh, exciting with the bat. He's now gone to 71 off 64 balls. So England at the same stage were 4 for 103. So Australia are well advanced and certainly unless there's a absolute collapse of great proportions. You think with plenty of overs up their sleeve should get to that 288. We'll take a break. Uh, We'll come back with more in a moment. Uh, It's 20 past five. You can join us on the temperate bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. Bedshed experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Twenty-five past five. Great to have your company. As I mentioned, uh, Travis had the man out. Steve Smith's on four. Dave Warner, seventy-two of sixty-five balls, one for one hundred and fifty-four. Uh, we caught up with David Short in the run home. We've got him now again in Sports Day. Time to catch up with uh, Tab Touch's main man. Hello, Shorty again. We've got you, Shorty. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you very much, Pete. Lovely to be with you. Yeah, nice to talk to you for the second time this afternoon, mate. That is. It's always nice to hear your dulcet tones. <laughs> hey, you must be getting very excited about uh, the World Cup just around the corner. Now, earlier on, I'm going to put the uh, the blowtorch on you. It's one thing to say, oh, watch out for an African nation that might do uh, nicely. Cup is there one that stands out to you because uh, we're going through the markets and Brazil are 450, Argentina 625, 750 France, 9 England, 950 Spain, Germany 1250, the Netherlands 15. When we start talking about these uh, countries that you are discussing, the first of them to come up is uh, Senegal, $131. Okay, they're the, one, uh, Morocco, they're the, they're the ones that I'm uh, pinning a bit of faith on. Have a, have a look at Senegal and see how far they progress, okay? I might even take the 131, Shorty, not to win it, but maybe to get to the next round, maybe even the quarters, possibly even the semis. Can we get that sort of market on tab touch? Pete, you're working beautifully here. So we go. We can get uh, markets for top eight, top four, top three, top two, and the winner. And uh, they are to make the top eight. 
Uh, $5. Okay. Top four, four, top four $14. I might take the so 14 the yeah. $5. Okay, well, I might, I might take the 14 at the semis. There you go. I reckon there's gonna, they're going to cause a bit of danger because, as I said, these African nations, they provide some players right around the world, and they all come together, and uh, they are flamboyant, they're exciting, they're athletic, and I just reckon... Uh, one of those African nations is going to go quite deep. Shorty, uh, you've given us a bit of an update there. The World Cup gets underway on the, the weekend, goes for the full month, and there's only one place to place uh, your investment, uh, and there's plenty of options, isn't there, with uh, Tab Touch. Uh, a lot of novelties as well when it comes to the World Cup. Oh, big time. There are a stack of different markets. Uh, top, we've, of course, got Golden Boot betting. Uh, Harry Kane's been popular there, 10 into 750 um, Mbappe at $9, Messi 11 Benzema at 14 Neymar at 14 Ronaldo at 18 uh, Depay at 23 Martinez 23 And then we're out to Lukaku and Jesus uh, 25 and 31. So lots of options there, golden boot-wise. We've also got uh, markets for top assists. Uh, De Bruyne, the favourite there at 650 in front of Messi, $8. Neighbour, $8. Kane at 16 And the golden ball winner, uh, wouldn't this be a fairy tale if Argentina could get up for Lionel Messi? And if that's going to be the case, uh, you'd expect that he would have some sort of tournament. He's $9 favourite to win the golden ball in front of Neymar at 10 Mbappe at 13 and De Bruyne at $16. Uh, I love the way the uh, names just roll off your tongue, Shorty. Good on you, mate. You should be working for SBS as well. All right, let's have a look at the Wildcats tonight. They get underway at 6.30. Damo's left me. He's on his way there. He'll be doing courtside. They take on Southeast Melbourne Magic, uh, uh, Phoenix, I should say. What is the market for an important game tonight for the Wildcats? Yeah, look, the money's flowed back the other way since we last spoke. Uh, the Wildcats uh, at that stage were into a dollar sixty-three. They're now back out to one seventy. Southeast Melbourne two twenty-eight into two seventeen. So late money for them. Uh, the line's gone from three into two and a half points. Uh, let's hope the Wildcats can get the job done there tonight. Tip off at six thirty. Okay, uh, very shortly, going to speak to Julio Santarelli about the railway stakes. The man's been around a long time; has seen uh, uh, many a railway stakes in his time in the media. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Jules in, in just a moment. What is the the market for? What is a big day? Second day of the Pinnacle Series at Ascot on Saturday. Yeah, Alaskan God, of course, you spoke to Chris Parnham earlier on this afternoon. He teams up with the favourite, 420 into 390. Tricks of the trade, 5 to 550. Carly's Calm has been 8 into 7. Treasured Star, $10. And Firm Ironclad there is a $12 chance. Uh, the other of the features on the day, the Group 2 WA Guineas. One-way traffic here with the very talented Amelia's Jewel, 270, crunched into 225 now. Bustler, 380 to 420. All the Kingsmen is now a $7.50 chance out from $6. Just quickly before we bid you a farewell, I know that you were having a good chat earlier on about the Rugby League World Cup final. Mm. Uh, this is a contest I'm really looking forward to. Uh, should be a cracking final, this World Cup final between Australia and Samoa, who have been the real giant killers right throughout the course of the tournament. Uh, they're a $7 outsider. The Aussies at $1.10. Line betting sits at 17 and a half. Uh, and total points on the game at 44 and a half. But so uh, they've got some big, strong boys, of course, uh, many uh, that they would know their teammates uh, very well from the uh, the Penrith Panthers, who've had great success, and a lot of the Samoan boys involved in that successful NRL franchise, Pete. So they'll know their Aussie opponents very well, and they'll be serving it right up to them. 
Let's hope for a Ripper World Cup final there in the Rugby League this weekend. The Aussies going in, though, as a hot favourite. And I've just pictured you and me, Shorty, wearing one of these uh, very flowery sort of Pacific Islander shirts, sitting in a bar there in Apia, which is the capital of Samoa, uh, and watching the Rugby League uh, World Cup final. Imagine that island. That'll be going off that night, that small Pacific island, particularly if they beat the Aussies. Oh, big time. Absolutely. And just to get to this final, to be fair, is a massive achievement. They knocked off the host nation. Uh, that and, and England, not only did they beat them, but the home side had all the momentum uh, and they had the home crowd support and Samoa were able to stop the momentum, come back into the game. And then that golden point victory with the drop goal was something really, really special. Uh, that's some of the better sport you will see, a highlight that we'll remember for some time to come, I'd expect. You're a good man, Shorty. Thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, have a great uh, Thursday night, and if I don't talk to you, have a great weekend. Andy, you, Pete. Good luck, punters. Good on you. David Shaw, those with the touch, choose Tab Touch. Better your bet and download Tab Touch today. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858. Now, this is a big event at Ascot. Uh, as I said, the Railway Stakes is entrenched in WA uh, sporting history. After all, it was inaugurated back in 1887. That is a long time ago. And it uh, has produced some of the great thr- thoroughbreds over the distance of 1,600 metres uh, over the years. And we've got a, a very special race on Saturday afternoon at Ascot. And Julia Santorelli, who's been involved in the uh, horse racing industry as a broadcaster, as a commentator, and as an expert for a long, long time, uh, joins us on the program. Julia, thanks for your time. Thanks for your time, Peter, but I haven't been involved as long as the railway stakes has been going for <laughs> But saying that, it, it is etched into WA sporting folklore. This has been a race for the ages, hasn't it, for many, many years, and it's produced some just outright champions. Is spot on, Peter, and it's a it's a race for the purest. It's a cuddler race. It's it's a group one. It holds group one status, and this year for the first time it goes from one million dollars to one point five million dollars. And you've touched on some of the wonderful horses that have won it in in past years. And you only have to look back in in recent times to to Lucky Gray who won it twice and the first time somewhat controversially after the protest being fired in by Sean O'Donnell. Bell Bazaar for, for the late Rod, uh, Rod Binder, Norway, the great Norway, going back to Asian boats. So you're right. A wonderful race, won by some great horses, and is it's a narrative to be told again on Saturday. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. Of course, Western Empire winning it uh, last year. I spoke to Chris Parnham a bit early on uh, the program, on the run home. Of course, he's uh, riding the favourite Alaskan God for Danny Morton. Uh, is the favourite. How do you see it? Of course, drawn barrier 14. Will that hamper uh, Alaskan God's aspirations at all? No, Pete. I think it probably uh, favours him somewhat. He'll probably come into, he will come into barrier 12, a couple of spots closer with the scratchings of the emergencies. I think if he can get into the free wide line, that would be Chris's main target, get some cover and then allow um, Alaskan God to have clear running in the straight where he can unlaunch that unlaunch that uh, leap or turn of foot that he does possess. But he's certainly a deserving favourite. And after this race on Saturday, Peter, he could be the next rising star of WA racing. Uh, ever since his campaign, his three-year-old campaign earlier this season, we won a string of races. He won five successive races. And he ended his campaign winning the Group 2 WA Derby over 2,400 metres. We've all been excited about his return. He returned in the Asian Bow Stakes uh, first up in October. Drew wide, got back, was storming home. Great run behind Treasure Star. So he'll certainly strip fit. And he, he's a deserving favourite. 
and Dan Morton now has a, a huge opinion of the of the horse. And as I said, if he wins on Saturday, I think we can start talking about Alaskan God as the next superstar out of WA Racing, or but, next star to come out of WA Racing. But saying that, Julia, there were some nervous moments, wasn't there, potentially with this horse not even getting a start in the railway stakes? Absolutely. So Dan Morton rolled the dice, Peter, and elected not to, and elect, and basically rode his luck to guarantee, with his ratings points, he was on the verge of getting into the field. If he went into last Saturday's Peter Stakes and competed in that race and won, he would have gained automatic entry. But Dan said no, rather than uh, race the horse last Saturday, then back in seven days into a railway, I'll take my chance. And the gamble paid off. He snuck into the field. Now he's drawn pretty well. So all the nerves are away from Dan Morton. He can hopefully can touch, hopefully touch wood. The horse can stay sound between now and Saturday and take his place in the railway stakes. He's an unlegitimate, undeniably a, leg, a legitimate chance and a great ride to Chris Parnham. Do you anticipate the pace will be on uh, from the outset for a horse like uh, Alaskan God to maybe finish on? Uh, is that going to be the key? A good point. If he can get some good tempo and get cover, and he should be able to finish over the top, and that's been his pattern of racing. And there should be good genuine tempo in the race. It normally is in, in the railway stakes, and you've got a front-runner like Buster Bash, who, who won um, last week the Lucky Grey Stakes to qualify for the railway stakes. And you've got Carly's Karma, who can go forward also. So there will be genuine um, pace, and, and that will suit the lats and gold. we just got to hope the pattern of racing was a little bit different to last Saturday. Uh, last Saturday, favoured runners in the first five or six and running was very hard to make up ground. But uh, if the pattern stays true and, and the race in the track plays fair, on Saturday, um, expect Alaskan God to be one of the runners charging home. Tell us about uh, Chris Parnham. Of course, has got one Group 1 to his name. He's still very young and has got a very, very bright future. What will it mean to him to maybe win a second Group 1, being the railway stakes? And, uh, you know, how much pressure will there be on Chris going into this race on Saturday? Oh, I think there's always added pressure when, when it's a Group 1 race, Peter, and it's worth one point. $5 million and then you add on the added burden that he's on the favourite as well and, and the horse has been hyped up in, in many, many weeks. So I think there's added pressure, but these jockeys are used to, to the pressure and in the next couple of weeks, this is their grand final. This is their the peak of their uh, of their season, of their year. We've got three group ones, only three group ones in WA each season, so they're rare to win for jockeys. They're hard-earned and um, with three $1.5 million races on offer, they're very they're keenly sought after. And I think Chris is pretty composed. He's pretty level-headed. He doesn't say a lot, Chris. He's, he's pretty quiet. He is fairly quiet, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it, t- it takes a lot to get it. It takes a bit to get uh, much out of Chris. But uh, if he doesn't speak off the track, he lets his words and his actions perform on the track. He's one of our leading riders. He won the Jockeys Premiership again last season. And uh, certainly he's steeped in racing tradition. The the son of Neville Parnham, who's a Hall of Fame trainer, and also the brother of Stephen and also Brad. So Stephen Racing Tradition, one of our best jockeys, and, and certainly the pressure will be on, but I'm sure he can handle it. It's interesting, actually. I, I threw Nev's name up, and whether, you know, in any ways Nev has sort of given him a, a couple of choice words going to such a big race like that, and he says, no, not really. We, we hardly talk about it, which is interesting, isn't it, considering the Parnham name has been associated with thoroughbred raising now for about half a century. Yeah, it is, and it's, it's interesting, I guess, how each jockey sort of um, takes in the race. You, you've got, like in any sport, you've got your, your sporty nuts, your footy nuts, your cricket nuts, and 
in racing you get some jockeys and you got you have some trainers as well who are, who are consumed by it all and and love speaking and reading about it 24/7 and and love being um, in the profile in the attention of the media. But then you get some who, you know, it's you know someone like a William Pike who really rarely does much form leading into his races. He's pretty laid back. He takes takes a casual approach. But um, yeah, Chris. Outwardly looks very, very cool, but I, I, I can guarantee you, Pete, in the next couple of days, particularly leading up to the railway stakes, there might be a, a touch of nerves here. But it is surprising when you, when um, your father has been involved in racing and and um, and Neville's father as well, um, been in WA racing for a long, long time. But um, yeah, they perhaps don't discuss it as much as we think they should or, or, or do. You mentioned Willie Pike there, and you conducted an exclusive interview with Willie when he arrived back in Perth, of course, for this uh, Pinnacle Series. Uh, your thoughts on Willie and what he's likely to get out of his return back to Perth, Western Australia, and the fact that he's partaking in the big races over the next month? Yeah, I think it's just great for WA Racing, Pete, that, that he is back for, for our car. We'll just add that uh, it almost wouldn't feel the same if, if he wasn't here, and he's got a great record in the race. He's won the race the last five years with... Elite Bell, Galaxy Star, Regal Power, Inspirational Girl, Western Empire. So he's won the race more on more occasions than any other jockey. Um, so it's just great to have uh, a jockey of his calibre and certainly his popularity, Pete. He's, he transcends racing, I think. I think, you know, William Pike, most even non-racing fans would be aware of who William Pike is. In any race, in the, you know, the, the best sort of standard of racing over east in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane for the past 12 months. And I don't think he performed too badly. He performed well, but um, he was he's a, a, a big fish in a small pond here, and he's a, a small fish in a big pond over race. But he certainly didn't lack it, lose any credibility in racing over the east. But it's great to have him back, and hopefully on a more permanent occasion next year. So I'll ask you just a general question. It's a hypothetical regarding Willie Pike. You did that interview. I saw it and I listened to it. It was very good. And no doubt you would have had a chat prior to that interview about how he's going and all that. Do you feel deep down inside that he, he and his family will return to Perth maybe in the, in the not-too-distant future? I think so, Pete. Without confirmation, I think I just get the feeling that um, it's the right time to come back for William. He, he spent you know, close to 12 months over there, but... He'll, um, he'll race in Queensland and, and team up with um, Gypsy Goddess in Queensland for their carnival, uh, for the Gold Coast Carnival. So he might be away for pockets of the year rather than being domiciled here throughout the whole season. I think now he can afford himself the luxury um, if the if the uh, rides become available um, to maybe cherry pick the carnival. So you, you have the Gold Coast Carnival in Melbourne. You've got the in, sorry in January. Then you have the, the Melbourne and Sydney Autumn Carnival. And then you have the Brisbane Winter Carnival, and then it rolls around the spring again, Winston Repeat, Melbourne, Sydney, so forth. So perhaps William Pike will be based in WA, but we'll see him a lot more times over over in the East, which can't be a bad thing as well. Before I ask you for your final thoughts on the railway stakes and possibly a winner, have you got a favourite uh, railway stakes memory to share with us, Julia? Yeah, I do, Pete. I'll, I'll go back to that Lucky Grey one, um, the first Lucky Grey railway stakes win in, in, nine, in 2000. And the 11, I think, yeah, 2011 it was. Yes. Um, Same by Gino Paletti and Sean O'Donnell. I just remember being in the winner's enclosure post-race. And I, when Sean Donnell returned to scale with Sean O'Donnell, he just had this um, uh, uh, angry look in his face, like he was a very disappointed look. But uh, he was pointing to, to, to Gino Paletti. And then soon after, he fired in a protest. And it was a lengthy protest. And in many people's eyes, it was a controversial protest. So... 
for all those reasons for, for what happened around the race itself. But he was also a popular figure. Lucky Gray was a, a wonderful horse, a, a wonderful champion and, and formed a great bond and association with Gino Paletti. So I think modern times, I think, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say Lucky Gray in 2011. He won it controversially in 2011, but he did it on his own terms two, two years later. So... To answer your question, Pete, yeah, definitely, definitely lucky grey. Fantastic. And as we let you go, Julia, it's been great to have a chat to you here on uh, Sports Day. Uh, what sort of race are we likely to see? And uh, who will be, of course, hailed the 2022 Railway Stakes uh, winner? Uh, I won't be. I, I'm not Robinson Crusoe here. I just think Alas and God is the horse that is on the way up. Um, I've been on him all along since his win in the WA Derby and since his three-year-old campaign. I think he's the horse to beat, but um, geez, there's some great storylines out of the race as well, Peter. If a horse such as Search and uh, not Search and Ross, well, that'll be a great story in itself with the work Jimmy Taylor has done to improve her barrier manners. But six of the trade, Peter, um, trained by Colin Webster. He's in, he's in his senior years. Colin, he's not in the best of health, but he's a very popular trainer. He's very, very astute. And if tricks of the trade can get up for Colin Webster, there won't be a dry eye at Ascot on Saturday, I can guarantee you. And he's also owned by a former jockey who's 91 years of age, Bill Robinson, wow. and his partner. Bill has never, ever seen Tricks of the Trade race live, and I don't think he'll be changing his plans on Saturday. And also, he was offered $1 million um, last or earlier this season uh, to, to, to buy Tricks of the Trade, um, and um, he knocked that back. He said in his years, he doesn't need the money, and he was just getting great enjoyment out of seeing Tricks of the Trade win. So if Tricks of the Trade, as I said, if Tricks of the Trade gets up to Colin Webster and Bill Robinson, there won't be a dry eye in the house. And even a horse like Carly's Karma, a young trainer, uh, Peter, on the way up. She's only in her mid-twenties. Her sister, she followed in the footsteps of her sister, Hannah, who tragically passed away six years ago. So I'm sure that there will be an angel on Summer's uh, shoulders on Saturday in regards to Carly's Karma. who's come out of absolutely nowhere. Her last uh, three runs have been... Uh, her progress has, has, has skyrocketed. She won first up at Belmont over 1,200, then won uh, again over 1,400. And then she tried to get into the Asian Bow Stakes and, and, and qualify automatically for the Railway Stakes. Couldn't get a run, was named as an emergency. So those plans went astray for summer. Had to pitch in into an un, uh, unsuitable race in the Lestia at Wait for Age. And she ran an absolutely cracking race. Was just beaten by Massimo. I think fitness told uh, because it was a couple of weeks between runs. She'll strip better. And uh, again, there'll be plenty of tears shared if Carly's Tamler can get up on Saturday. Some great storylines out of the race, Peter. Yeah, nice. Thanks for sharing those with us, Julio. Thanks for joining us, mate. Enjoy the day on Saturday. It'll be something special and uh, nothing like being on uh, Corsair at Ascot on Railway Stakes Day. Enjoy it and thanks for your time today. Anytime, Peter. Thanks for the opportunity. Good on you. Julio Santarelli, uh, a man that knows uh, the industry inside out. Broadcaster, commentator, analyst, and, and really does read it well and giving us a nice little insight and also giving us a nice little insight to some of the stories that could prevail uh, post the race. We're going to take a break. Australia, one for 196, by the way, after 27 overs. David Warner is on 84 off 79 balls. And Steve Smith has faced 26 balls, and he's on 34. The victory target for Australia, 288. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival.
a grand utility vehicle. Great speak to Giulio Santarelli to preview the railway stakes on Saturday. Should be huge following that. Of course, the following Saturday, it's the winter bottom, then the northerly, and then the gold rush. And uh, so some big Saturdays coming up at Ascot Racecourse. Good game of cricket actually being played at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, plenty of runs being scored. Australia looking for a victory target of 288 and currently are one for 197. A 50-run partnership coming up in quick time between Steve Smith, who's come in at number three after the dismissal of uh, Travis Head. Dave Warner is still there, and he's eyeing a century in the first ODI of three against England, uh, as I said, the first one at the Adelaide Oval, and uh, they've been going along quite nicely have the Australians one for 198. After 28 overs, Warner is 85 from 82 balls and Steve Smith off 29 balls is 35. And as I said, the victory target is 288. So they're well on their way is Australia at the moment. And in the first game in the Sydney Super Cup, Celtic taking on Sydney FC in front of a pretty big crowd there at the Allianz Arena. At halftime, it is one all with... Celtic going ahead, and then within about three minutes, uh, Sydney FC equalising, and Sydney FC actually hit the crossbar a couple of times as well. So they were probably the better team in the first 45, but it's one all at half time in the uh, first game of the Sydney Super Cup, which features Celtic, Everton, and as well Sydney FC. Well, straight after Sports Day, we're going to bring you the big one between the Wildcats and South East Melbourne Phoenix. Uh, Toddy Blanchfield, of course, one of the star players for the Perth Wildcats, um, a dynamic scorer, was featured on the run home. And as a preview to the game, here's a couple of minutes of what he had to say about the big game uh, tonight. Had a bit of a rough patch for a while there, and you know that that happens in in, in every season. You know, it's not always peaches and cream, but I think you know the Adelaide the Adelaide win for us on the road. You know, going to the Fever Break was great. You know, practice was a good feel today, and yeah, you know, it's, it's it's a good vibe going into, into tomorrow night. What about the trip abroad? You've just got back after representing Australia. It's a long way to fly for one game, but I guess when it's in, when it's in business class, it's not too shabby. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it definitely makes it a lot easier. It's, but you know, it's. It was cool. You know, it was obviously a lot different. The temperature-wise, it was down to, you know, minus seven, minus eight in, in Kazakhstan, so covered in snow, so a little bit different to Perth at the moment. But, yeah, any chance you get to rip? What's that, sorry? Slightly different to Perth at the moment. <laughs> yeah, a little different. But, um, yeah, any chance you get to represent um, the Korean goal and put that jersey on is, is special, no matter if it's, you know, in your in um, home soil or, you know, in the other side of the world in Kazakhstan. But, yeah, always a pleasure, and it was good to come away with a win over there. Marta always talks about that boomers culture and, you know, I get a bit envious when he speaks about it. Is, what, what makes it so unique for you guys that get that chance? I mean, this is the environment that the, you know, the Olympic guys built coming in, you know, they, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, big names come back and play in that, you know, play for the, for the boomers and, you know, all their, you know, everyone's on an even playing field. Everyone's, you know, everyone's even in that group. You know, it's all all egos are put aside. And everyone's there to do one thing, and that's to come away with a win. You know, to, in in the green and gold jersey. So obviously, the guys were able to come away with a, a bronze medal at the Olympics, which was pretty special. But yeah, any chance? You know, this is all all the all these games are important leading up to the World Cup to qualify to be able to get into the uh, the pool we want and be able to, I guess, finish on top of that pool. And we qualified, then we pulled out of the game against Iran. As a playing group, were you guys consulted on that decision? Um, it was 
Yes and no. Like, I think it was more up to... I guess it was more up to Basketball Australia and what they wanted to do because, you know, if it did make... I guess we did qualify with that win in Kazakhstan, which was um, which was a massive game. And, yeah, to be, I guess it, it was a long way to travel for one game. And, you know, if, if that meant we had to go there, we had to go there. But, you know, that was a, a decision that was, you know, made, you know, above, you know, the, I guess the position we're in. So, you know, we respected that and we just... Uh, you know, we're there to do one thing and I'll see you to win against Kazakhstan. Good on you, Toddy Blanchfield. Feature on the run home yesterday as we build up to the Wildcats against South East Melbourne Phoenix. That's been Sports Day for this week. I'll be back Saturday morning from uh, nine for the Ladbrokes Lounge. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy. And uh, as I said, Sports Day returns on Monday from five. See you then. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.